illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Wojtnik, he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heiner Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beege. How are you doing tonight, Beege? I'm doing all right, Billy. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and we're going to try not to unplug any microphones or screw up any other recording. We're, we're going to make it through the whole way tonight. It's going to be yeah, good. Yeah, I know, um, I know, uh, what was I going to say here? It was going to be really inappropriate, and I can't make it work. <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to say, yeah, usually people can't tell when, when things pull out with you. Yeah. So. <laughs> there you go. The purpose they of, can't even tell what it's in, let alone when it's out. The purpose right. of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State Beavers and others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some fun along the way. All right, Beach, are you ready to go with a little bit of uh, beaver sports news? Yeah, let's do this. All right, I want to remind everyone you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device in the Stitcher Radio app. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also email us, HeinerTailgaterGmail.com. Follow me on Twitter. I am at HeinerTailgater. Also, check out our Facebook page. All right, Beach, up first is women's volleyball. And, and, and also, don't forget to leave a, a ranking and review. We need more reviews. Do we have any new I reviews don't think lately? We, have any. we need a review. Would somebody please throw a review at us? <laughs> I'll go look. I'll go look. I never check. Okay. I'll go look. All right. So first up, Beach is women's volleyball. Loving women's volleyball, Billy. It's my favorite sport. Oregon State went 2-1 and one at the Boise State Classic last weekend. Now they opened up with a first set win over number one ranked Minnesota before falling in the match 1-3. to three. The Beavs then went 6-0 and in their match wins over Idaho State and Boise State. 
Good for the ladies. Yeah, so the ladies wrapped up their non-conference slate with a 10-2 and record. Now, Oregon State, which has played nine straight matches on the road, begin Pac-12 conference play with four in the row on the road. The Beavers open the conference slate at number eight, Oregon, on Tuesday, and that match begins at 7 p.m. at Matthew Knight Arena. Then OSU turns its attention to number 21, USC, when they travel to L.A. on Sunday. That match starts at 1 p.m. Well, hopefully uh, they get a good turnout at the Matthew Knight Arena, not not just for support, but to help offset the losses Oregon's bleeding out of that place. <laughs> yep. And uh, <laughs> the Beavs have not won a uh, Civil War match since 2014. Wow, so we're due. Yes, it would be nice to turn that around. Yeah, especially being a number 18. Well. Yeah, they're playing number well. Well, Minnesota was ranked number one. And wow. they, they won that first the first set of the match uh, but before falling, but... You know, they can compete. They're looking good this year, so let's keep our fingers crossed. All right, Beach, up next is women's soccer. Love women's soccer, Billy. Women in ponytails and shorts. It's like the best thing ever. The Oregon State women's soccer team hit the goal frame twice, but a 90th-minute penalty kick gave the University of Portland a 1-0 win over the Beavers Friday evening at Merlot Field in Portland. So that's right. The Beavers had two shots in goal that went off the, the frame, the upper bar of the frame of the goal. Crazy. Yep. The women are now. Well, and, and 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 University of Portland is a damn good soccer team. Yep. Now the women are three, three, and two overall, and will open Pac-12 play next Friday, which is this Friday, when it takes on Arizona State in Tempe. Nice. Yep. On to men's soccer beach. Mm-hmm. The Oregon State University's men's soccer team battled Portland on Sunday night at Paul Lorenz Field, but couldn't find an open look on goal and took a 1-0 loss. Now in that game, beach. The men also put a shot off the upper crossbar of the goal frame. Wow. Yeah. If that if that was the uh, way to win the games, the Beavs would have dominated this weekend. <laughs> you got to think it's much harder to hit the pole than it is to hit the, hit the areas above and below it. Yeah. yeah. The Beavs are 2-5 and five overall and remain at home later this week to take on the University of Pacific on Friday, September 22nd at Paul Lorenz Field. Kickoff is set for 7 p.m. Where's the uh, University of the Pacific at? I believe that's in Stockton, is it not? I believe Stockton, the, the, the home of cows? Um, well, the home of the University of Pacific. But isn't Stockton where they have all the cows there? Doesn't you're, it stink like cow? No, you're thinking of below that. Kettleman City. Okay, thank you. Oops. Yep, looks like Stockton. Yep, that's what I thought. All right. All right. Well, maybe we should go under for the right. Wait, Beach! What? Is that what I think I hear? Why, Billy, it is. It is what you think you hear. Ooh, it, it's the teletype machine. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. I'm holding it. Hold on. Oh, I'm squishing it. Billy! <laughs> this like the smallest just... teletype papers ever. I, I, I ran out of regular paper, so I'm using the cash register tape. Okay. So... Billy, this just in. Yes. Duck away game attendance very low for the Wyoming game on Saturday. The green green and yellow was normally low in Laramie, Wyoming for the Ducks' final non-conference game for the 2017 season. The university, concerned, sent out a survey inquiring why fans were choosing not to travel to the equal rights state. The most common response was they could not find Wyoming on a map. Okay. 
they're not that bright down there at Eugene. Yeah. So I thought maybe it was because all three of those, you know, uh, 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 votes. Uh, what's it called? Electoral college votes went to Trump. Oh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if they did. I just good old Wyoming. Isn't Wyoming where uh, Devil's Tower is? I think it is. That's, that's that's on my bucket list of places to visit. See Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower. In Devil's Tower, Wyoming. Oh, National Monument. Yep, Wyoming. Yeah, that's where I want to go. There you go. It's so yeah. funky looking. It is. So it's wild. Looking. All right, Beach. Good uh, update from Eugene. I'm sorry they can't yeah. uh, find Wyoming on a map. Well, you know, they they either have a degree from the University of Oregon or they never went to the University of Oregon. Either way, they never learned geography. There you go. Hey, Beach, are you ready to look go under further review for week number three in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown! Let's do week number three, Billy. All right, Beach. so heading into the week, I'm going to look at our post things here Get my my pad of paper up all right so heading into week number three kyle was in the lead at 18 out of 24 you and i were tied for second at 16 out of 24 mm-hmm. all right so we had one game on friday night and that was uh arizona at utep do you remember who you took i believe i took sandra bullock's team of uh, arizona <laughs> that is incorrect you took UTEP. i, I took utep you did I must have been smoking crack, Billy. You know. <laughs> you Why didn't UTEP. you correct me? I don't know, Beach, but you took UTEP. Really? Yes, Arizona quarterback Brandon Dawkins. Can I call a mulligan on that? No, you cannot. <laughs> I, why don't I? All right, I'll, I'll I write them it. down as you tell me, So, and I don't change it. Okay. Well, you know what, Billy? <laughs> How do I know you don't change it? You gotta trust me. How do I know that you're not changing my answers? I mean, maybe you are gonna be my cheater and whore for the okay, night. Okay, Beach, have I won every year? Uh, no, I don't think you no, have. No, I've won once. So if I'm <laughs> changing it, I'm doing an awful crappy job of it. Well, you know, well, this will come back my in my cheaters and whores, off. okay? This is gonna come back in my <laughs> cheaters and whores, okay? Uh... Tell you that right now. All right, Beach. Arizona quarterback Brandon Dawkins scored six TDs, three passing and three rushing, to lead Arizona to a 63 to 16 win over UTEP on Friday night. I love Sandra Bullock. I would have picked her team. Now Dawkins only played one series in the fourth quarter, and he threw for 155 yards and 18 of 22 passing, and ran for 143 yards and 13 carries. Now the Wildcats scored 35 second quarter points to lead 35 to nine at half. So really, that's where they poured it on. Was was in the second quarter. Wow. So, Kyle and I got the win there. You did not. All right. Up next, all the rest of the games were on Saturday. First game we're going to talk about: Oregon at Wyoming. The game you were just talking about. Who'd you take? I reluctantly took the Ducks on this one. So did Kyle, and so did I. Oregon running back Royce Freeman ran for three TDs in the first half. And the Ducks roughed up NFL prospect quarterback Josh Allen in a 49-13 victory over the Cowboys on Saturday. Now, Freeman ran for 157 yards on 30 carries and turned a screen pass into a 50-yard gain. Duck quarterback Justin Herbert scored 
or passed for 251 yards and a score and added a TD run. So Ducks are 3-0, and but really haven't faced them. I mean, their second halves have not looked good. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. Yeah, they did not score uh, a point against Nebraska in the second half, almost lost, and I believe the same this week. So it really makes you wonder if they get against some of this, what looks to be really good Pac-12 competition, what's going to happen. Yeah, because they're going to have to have the longevity, which they're not pulling in right now. Yep. All right, Beach, so we all get the point there. Sounds like you, Billy. They lack longevity. Uh, there you go. Up next, Beach, UCLA at Memphis. Ukla at Memphis. I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty sure I took Ukla on this. I think the crack was wearing off at this point. Yep, all three of us took UCLA. <clears throat> UCLA quarterback Josh Chosen Rosen was able unable to put together a fourth quarter comeback like he did in the opener against Texas A&M, and Memphis beat the Bruins 48 to 45 on Saturday. Now Rosen was 34 of 56 for 463 yards and four TDs, but had two key interceptions on the day. That's, was was that expected? Is Memphis pretty good? Memphis has beaten a ranked team the last three years. Okay. So, so if anything, they're a good spoiler, if not a great team. Yeah, they're not bad. So, all right. Okay. So none of us got the win there. Next up, Northern Colorado at Colorado. Must be tough for them to play, everybody being high. Um, Including the crowd. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably fun to watch. Be like their own little version of Bernie Man up there in Colorado. I wish um, I wish I had the nachos concession up there. Totally. Mm-hmm. Or just you know just Five buy minutes. a bag of Doritos. Yeah, yeah, just just go in there and start selling Doritos out of your back. You know, out of a backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, took Colorado on this one, Billy. All three of us did. Colorado quarterback Stephen Montez threw a career high 375 yards and four TDs, helping the Buffs beat Northern Colorado 41 to 21 on Saturday. Their first meeting on a football field since 1934. Wow. Now, running back Philip Lindsay rushed for 151 yards and a score on the day where the Buffs had two starters ejected in the game for targeting. Their defense had two starters ejected. So that's did, a- did, did you see the targeting? Or no, did you I, were did able not, to- I did not see okay. it. Okay. Okay. So. Wow. Anyways, so we all got the win there. Next Tech. game, Arizona State at Texas Tech. Ooh, Arizona State on this one took the Sun Devils. No, you did not. You took Texas Tech. Really? Yes. What the hell's wrong with me? All three of us I must took not Texas have been Tech, fe- and that was I must good. not have been feeling well. And that was good because oh, well, that's awesome. I totally meant to take Texas Tech. Because hey, Arizona State quarterback Manny Wilkins' deep pass on 4th and 30 was overflown on the final ASU possession as the Sun Devils fell short after rallying from 18 points down at halftime and 14 behind late in the third quarter to lose 52-45. to Now running back Kalen Balazs finished with 56 yards on 16 carries, while receiver Enkeel Harry had 13 catches for 148 yards and a score. Cool. Yeah, so yes. You said Arizona State's not that good, correct? I have a feeling that Todd Graham will be fired at the end of the season. Think he'll even make it to the end of the season? I don't know. But I think he'll be gone at least by the end of the season. Okay. All right. Next up, big game, Texas at USC. I think I took Texas on this one, didn't I? Or did I take USC? You took USC. All three, of us, all three of us, you're smoking crack tonight, I think. All three of us <sighs> took USC. 
USC Actually, quarterback I... Sam Darnold passed for three, 397 yards and three TDs, and USC's freshman kicker hit a 43-yard field goal to end the Trojans' 27-24 victory over Texas Saturday night. Now, Christian Recker, Rector uh, for USC made the dig, biggest defensive play in the game, forcing a goal-line fumble by the Texas quarterback in the second overtime. Wow. Texas or Oregon or USC would then go on to kick a field goal on their next possession and win it. Now, USC actually had to kick a field goal on the final play of the game to send it into overtime. So their kicker was their uh, Iron Man for the night. Yeah. It was actually a good game, but it just makes me wonder how good USC is. Now, they're 3-0, and mm-hmm. but you know they had some issues with Western Kentucky or Western Michigan, and they had some issues with US, with uh, Texas. So yeah. we'll wait and see. I still, I still, you know, and again, I don't care about the national championship. I care about the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't have to be the best team. You just have to be the best team that, you know, the better team that night against your opponent. Correct. So you can have a dirty win. You can have a, a, a clean win. But when it all comes down to it, it's just the win that matters. Correct. All right, Beach. So we all got the point there. Next up, we're about halfway through the week. Fresno State at Washington. I took the Huskies on this one. I know that because I'm really thinking the Huskies are going to take the pack. All three of us took UW. Uh, <clears throat> Washington wide receiver Dante Pettis had four TDs, including an NCAA record tying eighth career punt return for TD as the Huskies beat the Bulldogs 48-16 to on Saturday. Now, Pettis had TD receptions of four and seven yards in the first half and a 73-yarder in the second play of the third quarter, but a 77-punt re- Yard punt return put him in the record books. Now, running, mile, running back Miles Gaskin had two TD runs, but only 56 yards rushing on the night. And so far, or, uh, Washington has not rushed for very much this season. Is Pettis that fast? He he's incredibly fast. Yeah, and just got a good eye for the holes. Yeah, he can, and he he's got amazing vision. So, wow. And uh, but I, you know that's the one question is how is Washington at running the ball, and so. Mm-hmm. It remains to be seen. They kind of well, have a soft non-conference schedule, but they're going to jump into it this week, and we'll see what happens. Well, it looks like their special teams are doing well. Yeah, at least their punt returns. Yeah. Eight for the career. He's got three games in a row with punt returns for touchdowns. That ties, that, a, record, just, that ties a record with other guys. That's just impressive as hell. I mean, I don't know where they were on the field when he took it. Cause what was a 77 yarder? Yeah. I, I don't know about the other seven that he's gotten, but yeah. still. It's impressive. I mean, yep. now the question is, yeah. who's going to try and punt? Who's going to punt to him? No, you're, you're going to. You you rather punt out of bounds? Oh, every time. Yeah, just keep it out of play. All right, we all got the win there. Next up, mm-hmm. San Jose State at Utah. Good old St. Josie versus Utah. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty darn positive. I took, but again, I was I was drunk and high, and but I'm pretty sure I took the Utah Utes on this one. All three of us did. Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley threw for 341 yards and four TDs, three to Darren Carrington, as Utah beat San Jose State 54-16. Now, the Utes on defense also forced five turnovers, tallied five sacks, and held the Spartans to 30 yards rushing on 37 carries. Hmm. Yeah. So pretty much just dominated them. Yeah. The score was pretty I how, close I, early on. It was like 6-3. to three. And then Utah just started just thumping them. Yeah, gonna you know it, I think it's gonna be a great season in the Pac-12 this year. I think it's gonna be crazy. Um, There's some a lot of strong teams. 
Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're one of them, but uh, it'll, it'll be fun watching everybody beat up on each other. Yep. Anything can happen. Yep. All right, Beads, up next. Interesting game, Stanford at San Diego. I think I took... Uh, I think I took the Sausage King. I think I took Stanford. You did. I also took Stanford. Kyle, however, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle did not. That's right. He went all weird and took San Diego on that one, didn't he? Now, after a 25-minute darkness delay when the lights went out at Qualcomm. Did they have to, did they have to reboot? Pretty much. San okay. Diego State beat Stanford 20-17 to on Saturday night. Now, Stanford allowed running back Rashad Penny 175 yards on 32 carries and a TD. And Stanford quarterback Keller Christ had an interception and was stripped on a sack. So, a couple of bad choices and decisions and happenstance. And mm-hmm. Stanford was Stanford ranked? They were before that game, yes. Wow. Yeah. How embarrassing. Well, San Diego uh, State has actually now beat two Pac-12 teams in a row because last week they beat Arizona State, and San Diego State's. Coach is Rocky Long. Who's Rocky Long? Years ago was a coach and defensive coordinator at Oregon State under Pettibone. Oh, okay. And he's a pretty damn good coach. That's been a long time ago, and he's still coaching? Yep, he coached at uh, New Mexico for quite a while. Now he's the head coach at San Diego State. Wow. And he likes defensive football, which is something you don't see a lot in college football right now. Yeah. Strong defense. Maybe we should look at bringing him to Oregon State again. Well, he's the head coach down there. I don't think he'd leave. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't offering him a, a, a defensive coaching job. Anyways, beach <laughs> up next. Ole Miss at Cal. A good old Cal. Pretty sure I took Cal on this one. Oh, three of us did. Quarterback was Ross. That a, was that a good decision, Billy? Yes, it was. Cal quarterback okay. Ross Bowers threw a touchdown pass on the opening drive of the third quarter, and Cameron Good added a game ceiling interception return for TD. In the Golden Bears 27 to 16 victory over Mississippi. Now the Golden Bears have stood two long TD passes, but didn't allow a score over the final 43 minutes to end the non-conference at three and this season. Hmm. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, and I do like Justin Wilcox, their coach. Another guy that likes to coach defense. Weren't you saying though you were wondering how good Cal's going to be this year though? Yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, again, it depends what happens in the Pac-12. Yeah. But uh, well, we'll see. So it's, okay. them going 3-0 and is impressive. I didn't think they'd be 3-0 and at this point. Okay. Okay, Beach. Last game of the week, OSU at Washington State. I was at that game, Billy. Yeah, I know. So was I. The ice cream was good. Yes, it was. Well, Beach, we all took Oregon State. Wazoo quarterback Luke Falk threw six TD passes, three to Tavares Martin Jr., and Washington State beat OSU for the fourth consecutive time, 53-23 on Saturday. Now, Falk was 37-49 of 49 for 396 yards and no, no interceptions, and Martin had 10 catches for 194 yards. Now, Jake Luton threw for 170 yards but was carted off the field with a severe neck injury. Ryan Nall rushed for 15 times for 118 yards and two TDs. Nall was looking great. Well, so, let's just talk about it. First of all, we had a good time up there. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I thought the Washington State fans were amazing. Yes, other than the jackasses in front of us. Yeah, who were just getting drunk and just being the general jackassery. But, uh, you know, it was funny because we were heading up there and Jess was going, you know, when we went and saw Oregon State play Washington State in Seattle, the fans were kind of jerks to us. I'm like, 
Those mm-hmm. were Seattle Washington State fans. When you actually go to Pullman, it takes work to get to Pullman. These people will be a lot nicer. And they were super nice, thanking us no. for coming out because they know how hard yeah. it is to get to Pullman. Yeah. It's not an easy place to go. No. I mean, even Corvallis is easier, and Corvallis isn't that great. Yeah. At least Corvallis is basically right off an interstate. Yeah. Yeah. Pullman is not <laughs> at <laughs> no. all. No. Yeah. Makes you wonder how. I mean, I know we've gone into the history, but how in the hell a school got the all the way the heck out there? Yeah. But it, it, beautiful campus. Mm-hmm. And you agreed with me that everyone that goes to that school should have an amazing butt and legs because you're walking uphill no matter where you're going. Constantly. The only yeah. thing that would knock that out is that freaking those little grabber ice cream bars are phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah, we did go to Ferdinand's, the ice cream parlor up there, and you had a grabber. I think you enjoyed it. Yes, it was uh, it was uh, Apple Cup. What was it called? Apple Cup Crisp. Apple Cup so, crisp. It, yeah, it's vanilla ice cream uh, with apple flavoring with caramel and then an oatmeal cookie mixed into it. And then when you get it as a grabber, they make it as an ice cream sandwich with two um, oatmeal cookies on the top and bottom. And the oatmeal cookies are soft and amazing. And I wasn't going to go for it. I was going to go for the cone. And then uh, a, a uh, Wazoo fan in front of me said, you got to get the grabber. And I'm like, it's really that good. And she's like, oh, yeah, you got to get it. So then when I went up to order, I asked the gal behind the counter. I said, you know, should I get the grabber on that? Or I said, what do you think of the grabbers? And she's like, it's only good on certain ice creams. And I said, well, what about the apple cup crisp? She goes, oh, yeah, it's great. I said, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so, no, and we, so. we bought some we got bought some cheese curds. We had a great time. Uh, stadium's really nice. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous little stadium. Um, sun kind of came in and out, yeah. got a little warm, and then the sun, then the clouds came out, and knocked yeah. it out for a bit, and then it came but, back. But a, but a nice time. Um, yeah. Now, as for the game, so people were asking me, what did I think? Well, going up there, I wanted the bees to win. I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. You know, if you, if you made me put money on it, I would have bet against the bees, just because that's Washington State's good. Oregon State has not shown that. Um, but I liked the effort we got out of the bees this week. Um, we got some push out of that offensive line. You know, Ryan Nall, 15 rushes, 118 yards, two TDs. That's great. That's what we need to do. Um, you know, and now I know Washington State threw the hell out of the ball. Um, six TD, TD passes, you know, 400 and whatever yards passing. But there were several times, especially on a couple of those touchdown passes to that Tavares Martin, where mm-hmm. you couldn't get much better. Per, uh, coverage than what they had. Yeah. The, the back was right there. He was right with him. He had his head turned around. He had his arm in there. And the receiver just made a better play on the ball than the defensive player did. Yeah. So sometimes you got to give the offensive, the other team credit because they're out there trying to play their hardest and win the game too. Well, and they're really proud of their aerial attack. Yeah. And well, and it was, and it was good. So, so yeah. I mean, like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about the hit. The hit on Luton. On, uh, on Luton? Uh, we can. Now, I've talked to people. <clears throat> My problem with the hit on Luton was when it looked like in the in the uh, stadium on the Jumbotron, it looked like that he, to me, it looked like it should have been targeting. It was originally called targeting. They waved it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how they could do that. To me, what was that? 
Well, let, let me I, – I looked this up today because I was curious. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure our audience here is too. So I I I I can mind if I read a little bit about targeting? Sure, go ahead. Okay, it says in college football, these things are targeting fouls per the NCAA's rulebook, mm-hmm. making forcible contact against an opponent with the helmet crown or the top of the tackler's uh, or the top of the tackler's head. Okay, uh, so that did two, not happen. No, making number two, making forcible contact to the head or neck area of a defenseless opponent. A targeting foul is an auto ejection and it, and if it occurs in the second half, it includes a suspension for the first half of the following game. Now, you need to def- define what a defenseless opponent is. Mm-hmm. And it includes, but is not limited to, a player in the act of or having just thrown a pass, who's catching a pass or kick or trying to and hasn't had time to become a ball carrier, mm-hmm. who's in the act of kicking or has just kicked on the ground, or a player out of the play, uh, who uh, uh, a player who gets blindside blocked, who has the ball and has had his forward progress stopped, or who has the ball and is sliding or giving himself up. Also, a quarterback after he's thrown a pick or someone's fumbled the ball away. So, um, and then for a player to be targeting, it also has to have at least one indicator. Uh, and those indicators are launching or leaving his feet to attack an opponent by an upward and forward thrust of the body to make forcible contact in the head or neck area. That was, to me, true on that hit. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead, uh, finish. I, I, hold, okay. A crouch, a crouch and upward thrust to make head or neck contact, even if the hitter still has feet on the ground. Uh, and then also leading with the helmet, shoulder, forearm, fist, hand or elbow to attack with forcible contact at the head or the neck area mm-hmm. and then lowering the head before the attack by initiating forcible contact with the crown of the helmet so to go head into him okay so so i have not looked at a replay of the thing other than what we saw there in the stadium mm-hmm. now from what everyone has told me uh, the, the in the the replay guy in the stadium they said that it was shoulder to shoulder contact to me, it looked like shoulder-to-head contact. Mm-hmm. But what everyone is telling me is that, no, he actually caught him with his knee. That it was his knee that actually is what hit Luton in the head. Hmm. But my only issue with that is he still launched himself upward at Luton. You can see yeah. how he's crouched and, and, and extends himself up into him. Now, a week before that, an Oregon State player had been booted out for launching himself. So it was what they said, launching himself at the opposing player, even though he basically didn't even make contact with the guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand the difference in these two. I really don't. No. And these get automatically reviewed, and this goes back to the booth. I don't understand how this gets reviewed like this. Yeah. yeah. I, that's what irks me. Is uh, I I don't know the the inconsistency of it, um, of of the calling by the refs, mm-hmm. and then again the reversal just baffled me. Yeah, because they're trying to stop violent hits like that. Mm-hmm. That's what the, and 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 to me that looked like a textbook case for a flag. Yeah, and it was funny because I had those those some Washington State fans behind me going like, well I don't know, and I'm like, okay. Imagine that's your player that gets hit like that. 
don't you think that should be a flag? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, well, and then earlier in the game when the Beavs went for it on fourth and one, there was a blatant hands to the face where the Washington State player ripped Oregon State's offensive lineman's helmet off and threw it for 15 yards, and there was no call. And that amazed me because we're sitting there and we're watching, and as soon as we see the 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 helmet fly off, I'm like, like, where the hell's the flag? Yeah, Yeah, because that wasn't someone's helmet popping off because of a hit. It was after basically the play had happened, and all of a sudden this helmet gets chucked out 15 yards across the field, and I'm like, well, somebody had that in their hands. Well, and was he forced to leave the game too? Well, it didn't matter. The play next play, it was fourth down. Okay, but the bees turned the ball over, and it was funny because. Again, there was a couple of Washington State fans that were sitting kind of by you, and they were like, good no call. Good no. I'm like, no, that's not a good no call. You can look at me and say, hey, we got away with one there, which you yeah. did, but it was not a good no call. It should have been a yeah. penalty. Absolutely. And then when they played it on the Jumbotron, I don't think the guys reviewed it when they played it, and you could see him grab the damned helmet. Oh, yeah. And you're like, Grab it like, off. Oh my God! There's a face mask right there. Let alone the freaking yanking it off of his yeah, head and well, throwing it's, it. It's 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 hands to the face. You can't do that. Anyways, regardless, I mean, even if those I, I would change, say cra- crappy ass refs. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, normal Pac-12 referees, but I would say. Um, but regardless, you know, the Beefs had a couple of of problems. You know, the the snap that went through the punter's hands that gave Washington State an extremely short field. Which it looked like the bees might be going in, you know, twenty-one to nine at halftime. Which you know, yeah. still not bad. And you know, actually, it looked like it might be twenty-one to fourteen. And then the mm-hmm. Washington State scored two quick touchdowns in to the half to go in twenty-eight to nine. Mm-hmm. That just that was tough. So, and then also uh, the bees gave up a sack where Luton got crushed, fumbled, and they returned it for a touchdown. So, yeah. you know, the bees have something. I don't think that this the fifty-three to twenty-three indicated really the, the game. I thought the Beavs played better than that score would indicate. Mm-hmm. My own self. Yeah. There was a few unfortunate, like I said, no calls mm-hmm. and a couple incidents there that really took them back. Yeah. Um, it could have been, it could have been easily down by 10 to 14 points. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. anyways, the big thing is the Beavs have not run a, won a road game since 2014. I heard that on the news this morning, and it just blew my mind. Their last win was when Riley won at Colorado his last year here. I'm just dumbfounded. Which, quite frankly, they were lucky to win. Is this Anderson's third year? Yes. Yep. Are you sure it's his third year? I thought it was his second. It's third. Wow. 2015, 2016, 2017. So we've been playing this poorly for two years in a row, and now we're on our third? Yeah. Oh, dang. They were what, good thing one, our tailgaters are good. They were, what, 1-11 his first year, and they were 4-8 and eight last year? And right now they sit at 1-3. And, three. and, and they have, um, their upcoming games are against number 5, number 7. We're all uh, against ranked teams or teams teams uh, receiving well, every, another vote. Every, yeah, everybody they play, their next five games all are against teams that, no, four games are against teams that are either ranked or receiving votes, yes. Wow. Yep. So, but I was, I did like their effort. So, 
I want to see more of that. Yeah. So on that note, let's yeah. talk about the Pac-12 in the polls. In the AP poll, USC is dropped a spot to number five. Washington dropped a spot to number seven. Wazoo moved up to number 18. Utah enters at 23. And Oregon enters in at 24. And Colorado and Cal are in the also others receiving votes category. Now in the USA Today coaches poll, USC fell to five. Washington stayed at six. Wazoo moved up to 18. Utah to 21. And Oregon again at 24. And in that one, Colorado, Cal, and Stanford are all in the others receiving votes category. So Stanford is still receiving votes even though they lost. Even though they're one and two. Oh, okay. Can't count them out, though. All right. All right, Beach. Up next, it's time for our Tommy Tupperville Jackass of the Week Award. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> Never week like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And actually, Beach, for the first time in the, I don't know how many years we've been doing this, five years of Jackass of the Week Awards, Mm-hmm. There wasn't much jackassery going on. Well, I figured we we're going to give it to those three fans in front of us at the game at, uh, at Wazoo. You know what? Yeah. You know what? Screw what I had, <laughs> had actually planned. So, yeah. We're going to give it to those three jackasses in front of us <laughs> at the Wazoo game. That's a good call. I don't even know what their names were. Um, but uh, woman, with a lar- woman with a large butt. Yeah. Guy and, with and a bad three, haircut. And three little kids. And the other guy with no testicles. Yeah. And then, That's well, what I didn't know there was four because then there was the other, the guy with the bad haircut, his girlfriend, yeah. who just kind of kept shoving food in his mouth and hanging on him the whole time. Oh, God. So, like, during the first half, they were just kind of annoying. They kept standing up. We asked him, to, well, let's start this way. Everybody was sitting down in our area. It's not like we were in the student area. Nope. Everybody's sitting down, including uh, Washington State fans. Mm-hmm. And we kindly asked them to sit down so the rest of us could enjoy the game. And they pretty much told us to take a flying leap. Yep. That this is what they were going to do, and tough we could stand. Yep. And I thought it was funny because the guys that were sitting directly in front of us, right behind them, and between us and uh-huh. the jackass of the weeks, or the the jackass of the week, um, you know, when he would stand up to watch the play because he had to stand up to he apologize those idiots. He not only apologized, but you notice he always bent over. Yeah. So he was trying not to block any more viewing than yeah. what they were blocking. Yeah. I thought there was courtesy for you. I know that's what I and, do too. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I do, honestly, when I'm watching a game, especially at Reeser, is I try never to leave during a play or during a, a quarter. Yeah. But if I have to, if I'm getting up and a play's occurring, I kneel down. If I'm in the stairwell and a play's occurring, I kneel down. Exactly. Because there's people either on my left or on my right that are typically going to be looking crossways of, of you know from me to see the play. And I think it's inappropriate to block it, especially when the play's going on. You know, mm-hmm. it's one mm-hmm. thing when they're in a huddle, you make your run. As soon as the play starts, get down, take a knee, and and everybody watch the play. Correct. Um, just just irritates the hell out of me when people don't have that courtesy. No, I completely agree. <sighs> yeah, they stood yeah. up, and then I don't know. I was wearing my beaver head hat, and mm-hmm. one of the little kids came up to me and goes, "I want that," and he reached for it. And I'm like, "Please leave me alone. You don't leave. I'm trying to watch the game." Anyways, so they left at halftime, and I thought, okay, maybe they won't be coming back. Because typically jerks like them never come back after halftime. Usually yeah. they get drunk off their ass and can't find their seats again. Yeah, but they did come back, all of them with wristbands on that they'd been in someplace where they were drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all obviously visibly intoxicated. 
Yeah. And just kept acting like dumbasses. They were standing up again, not even watching the game for the most part. No, just dancing and doing weird crap. Well, and then they started making motions towards us. And we really, other than asking them to sit down, had said nothing to them. Yeah. And yeah. So, it was, it was like, it was like, look at how awesome we are. We have to justify our, our whole existence yeah. on the performance of 11 guys out on the field. Oh, exactly. And so, so uh, the whole time, the one guy with the bad haircut had been, had been dropping all sorts of bad words out loud around this lady's kids and they turned around at, at me at one point when something happened and they started making like slicing mo- emotions towards their crotch, you know, kind of like suck it and all this stuff. And I just flipped her off. And she goes, Oh, you're going to f- f- throw the bird up around my kids. I've got my kids here. And I'm thinking, lady, you're worried about that. While this guy's dropping F bombs and S bombs and everything else all over the place. Your your kids are a lost cause at yeah, this point. Exactly. They're they're gonna they're gonna be taking our tax dollars in the matter of about yeah. fifteen sixteen Anyways, years. So I just at that point I'm just like okay, just kind of looked at me like really, and I'm just like, just remember what Dad says. Out out talk, talk to smart, smart man. man. Out run out. a damn fool. That's right. So it was just yeah. just 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 run away, just run yeah. away. So but anyways, they eventually left too. Although they were making, the one guy was making some real asinine comments when Luton got hurt. Mm-hmm. The guy was better, get up, you need to play. And I'm like, dude, they're bringing a backboard out for the guy. I hope you know that if that was your player down, I wouldn't be saying what you're saying right now. And after that, he kind of shut up. Yeah. So. Anyways. Well, like, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, it just yeah. When when that hit happened, and and they're like, and again, it was like, oh, they all cheered when it was when they they reversed the call and stuff, and and it's like, dude, do you realize? I mean, you saw his neck get just whipped around in that okay. hit. Now, and f- on that note, uh, from what I understand, there was a post from his dad on social media that mm-hmm. said that he, I believe, has a cracked thoracic vertebra. I think that's what it was, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that's official or not, but that's what they're making the rounds on, on social media. So hopefully he'll be okay. I doubt he plays again this season. But anyways. So anyways, so to those four Washington State yahoos that were in front of us, this jackass of the league award. <laughs> is for you. All right, Beach. Uh, but you know what? I, I didn't want to leave it with that bad taste in our mouth. I wanted to talk to some better news. And I don't know if you have seen this. No. Okay. So, you know, there's lots of uh, traditions in college football. From the trophy games to, like, um, Wisconsin's jump around to start the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. All the different things they do. Well, Iowa has one of the coolest things they just started this season. Now, no football program in the nation treats sick kids quite like Iowa. Now, just so you know, Iowa um, has a great big medical program. Actually, my endocrinologist, Dr. Mm-hmm. Clark, he got his, uh, he did his, um, oh, what's it called? His residency at the University mm-hmm. of Iowa. He, he got cool. his undergrad at Oregon, but got his, did his residency at University of Iowa, and he considers himself a Hawkeye. Much, much more than he ever considers himself a Duck fan. He goes back okay. to games uh, in Iowa City a couple times a year to watch the, uh, the Hawkeyes play. But anyway, you, you have this conversation when he's doing blood checks on you? Oh, yeah. When I go in and talk to him, <laughs> we talk about me, and usually everything's pretty good, and then we end up talking football for 15 or 20 minutes. But anyways, so they started this new 
tradition there in Iowa called the wave. Now, much has been made of the wave since the September 2nd game when Iowa fans at the season opening game against Wyoming turned a grassroots movement on social media into a very touching moment. Now, media flocked to Iowa City to document the new tradition. TV cameras on Saturday during the first quarter of the Hawkeyes' 31-14 win over North Texas this last Saturday crowded into the hospital, quote, press box, the space that was designed to accommodate patients and their families for all Iowa games. So the children's hospital sits right beside the stadium in Iowa. And it's built up in such a way that the top floor has like a press box looking area that looks okay. into the stadium and some of the uh, patient rooms underneath it look directly into the stadium. Okay. So they can see the field during the games. Now, the same Hawk Vision feed that plays on the stadium scoreboard is shown on four, a four screen display at the hospital. And last week, Iowa cheerleaders showed up on Saturday to hand out pom-poms and, and, and talk with the kids. Now, mm-hmm. the, the big reason why this is, is Kirk Ferentz, who's the head coach at Iowa. He has been there for 19 years. Wow. Now, he is an unwavering force behind the program that's built on the backs of overachievers. If you look, Iowa doesn't send a lot of guys to the pros. They don't place a lot of guys on all, you know, all big, tw- all big 10 teams or all, you know, all American teams. But they mm-hmm. just win. Eight, nine, ten games every year. Now, in August, he and his wife announced a $1 million gift to help create a neonatal research program at the hospital. Now, they've had four kids all in Iowa City. A couple of them have had to spend time at the hospital, plus other coaches' kids have had spent time there. Now, Kirk Francis' wife, Mary, has helped direct the Ladies Football Academy for seven years there in Iowa City. That's raised $1.8 million for the hospital. She's also chaired the Children's Hospital Council for the past 11 years and served on a group that helped design this new hospital. Now, wow. the hospital, since 2009, has chosen a pediatric patient for every game to serve as kid captain. They get trading cards of themselves before the game, and they get to mingle with, a, with the players at an event in August. Then on game day, they get prime seats to a game for them and their families. They get to go out and serve on the coin toss, and they get to be part of other pregame festivities. That's awesome. So they really try to make things things uh, special for them. Yeah. So the foundation was kind of already laid when a Hawkeye fan, Levi Thompson, noticed a post on his Facebook page called Hawkeye Heaven in June. The suggestion from another high, uh, Iowa fan was that at each home game, the people in the stadium wave to the kids in the new hospital. Just turn around and wave to the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, Thompson liked the idea so much, he added a twist to do it at the end of the first quarter. So at the end of the first quarter, everybody in the stadium is going to turn around and wave to the kids in the hospital. Now, he asked for fans to submit photos of the stadium from the hospital. So if you had a kid in the hospital, please take a picture out of the, the quote-unquote press box area or the rooms down in the stadium. So we're trying to get this going. Now, he did this every Sunday over the summer. He posted a pic and pushed the concept. And Beach, I have to tell you, it's awesome. It's one of the great things about college sports. You know, those players get to go up and spend time with those kids. And some of those kids, you know, they're fighting for their lives. Yeah. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to see. that these kids, you know, they have a hard time. You know, they're fighting for their lives. 
And to know that those guys that are out there fighting for Saturdays are just thinking about them, it's just a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. I, I, I'm looking it up on YouTube right now. Yeah, see if you can see it. Because everybody turns around and waves at the kids. You can see the kids up there in the windows just waving back, and the families are waving back. And it's just cool. Hold on, it's downloading right yeah, now. That's cool. But anyways, I just wanted to add something positive that's come out of the, the early part of this football season. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. So, and it all started by fans, and I think that's cool. Yeah. Anyways, so if anyone has a chance, make sure you check it out on YouTube. It's just the wave yeah. at Iowa Stadium there. So, anyways. All right, Beach. It is time for our musical interlude of the week. We are doing songs from soundtracks this week. Mm-hmm. What is your pick? I was just getting ready to watch the the wave here. Okay. Um, Go ahead, watch it. Tell me what you think. Okay. Okay, hold on. Tell me what you think. It's it's. I gotta watch a Nissan commercial here first, real quick. Freaking Nissan. I know. You know what we haven't had so, any freaking lately is solar flares. Yeah, we have. We've been doing pretty good. I think because we keep the video off. Yeah. Oh, okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay. Connect Stadium. It's actually a video from up there. Huh? And everybody's waving. Isn't it cool? It's crazy. It's just cool. Anyways, I just thought it was neat. No. Well, those kids need all the support they can get. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyways, all right, Beach, on to the musical okay. What do you pick? Okay, Billy. Yes. I worked so hard on this. I went through album after album all week long, song after song. And I don't want people to think I just pick a song I like. I ponder the podcast potential. I think, what are the people doing while they listen? Are they driving, mowing the lawn, eating lunch? I know my friend Catherine, who lives in Idaho, she, she listens to us while she delivers the mail. So... The song only needs to fit the theme, which is movie soundtracks, but it also has to work in the moment for what the people do. I don't want to bore them. Like, I mean, like, I love the theme from The Natural, but I don't think the theme from The Natural is going to really work for most people while they listen to our podcast. So I thought, I said to myself, Beej, that's what I go by, my, you know, as I said, Beej, what grabs my attention? And I immediately thought, boobs. That's what grabs my attention. <laughs> you know what popped in my mind? What? Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> so so then I thought, what are my favorite boobs in the movies? What are my favorite movie boobs? Billy, oh. do you know what my favorite movie boobs are? Oh, would it be in a red bikini coming out of a... Uh... It would be in a red bikini. <laughs> <laughs> so coming I said, out of a swimming pool? So I said, yes. So I said, Phoebe Cates has my favorite boobs. Of all the boobs in the movies. Like, I could look at Phoebe's, Phoebe Cates' boobs from from that movie, like, every day. I, I mean, if I, I should, like, post them. Yeah, yeah, great. So, anyway. So, I decided Fast Times at Ridgemont High was going to be my movie. So, um, Fast Times is one of those... If you guys never seen it, Fast Times is one of those classic coming-of-age movies that come around, like, every 8 to 10 years. Uh, this one happened to be released in 1982. Now the question is, what song? You know, because there's a lot of songs on that soundtrack. Which one would be a great song of the week? I mean, do you pick Sammy Hagar? Do you go with Jackson Brown, Joe Walsh, Don Henley? The Cars. 
the cars, which is what they plays when, when, when she does expose cool, those yeah, beautiful, beautiful stereo, breasts yeah. of hers. Yeah. But I decided I'm going to go with Jimmy Buffett and his classic song written for the film. So without further ado, here is the song, I Don't Know, also known as Spicoli's Theme by Jimmy Buffett from the 1982 cult classic Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Nice call, Beach. Thank you. you know, Thank a, you. A little, yeah. little, little side note on this. I do know that you have lusted over Phoebe Cates forever. Yes. Um, you, you have called her husband. Um, what's his name? Uh, oh, sh- uh, Kevin, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. You usually yeah. refer to him as Mr. Phoebe Cates. Yes. So a number of years ago on campus, they used to have poster sales out in the MU. And I was out there looking around, and they had a little – shot just a little picture of 
Phoebe Cates in the red bikini. She's kind of holding her hair back and just like a little kind of vanity shot, probably made for the movie. And I found this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to give this to Beach. So I bought it and I called you up and I said, Beach, I bought you a picture. And you were like, mm-hmm. of what? And I said the most like vague thing ever. I got you a picture from a movie. You're going to love it. It's one of your most favorite scenes. You know, you're going to hang it in your game room. He goes, Phoebe Cates in the red bikini. And I just about <laughs> lost it because I'm like, how the hell did you know that? <laughs> oh, so, anyways, Phoebe Cates. Yes, Phoebe Cates. Anyways, but it, it is a great movie. Although, you know what? I, I am always creeped out by Jennifer Jason Lee in that movie. Why is that? I don't know. There's just something about her I find creepy. She is a little creepy. She's you know, did creepy. you did you ever see her in uh, The Hateful Eight? Oh, yeah. She oh, was God, great she's, in that movie because she's so but, disgusting. Oh, God. She's creepy as hell in that yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. I actually liked her in that movie because I hated her so much. Really? That makes sense. You know, she got her, her, her stage name, Jennifer Jason Lee. Her, uh, I, it's either her grandfather or her godfather, but she's related to Jason Robards. Yeah. And so when she took her, her acting name, that Jason of Jennifer, of Jennifer Jason Lee is actually for Jason Robards. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah. So if you have a chance, watch the movie. It's great. Hmm. Yeah. It's, if you like Clueless, it's kind of like a little bit dirtier version of Clueless in the, in the eighties. Yeah, I could see that. It's kind of in that same vein. But it sure takes a great snapshot of the early 1980s, too. The whole Pat Benatar and and all of that. I mean, all of that crap going down. The the malls. I mean, what's so cool is actually the Ridgemont Mall that they they claim to be at. Um, The architecture and everything, Mm -hmm. the way it's designed, it looks like it could be Washington Square in Tigard from that era. You know, it's just very a poignant time of... of, uh, that moment it's a great great snapshot of america all right beach uh let's let's move on here great great pick on the music um it is okay. now time to preview week number four in the pack 12 all right so after okay. last week the scores were kyle at 27 out of 35 me at 24 out of 35 and you in third place at 23 out of 35 okay falling behind here all right i've got kyle's picks and we are ready to go first up one game on friday night utah at Arizona. Utah. Really? Yep. I've right. abandoned uh, I've abandoned my efforts with um, uh, Sandra Bullock. Okay. Got to let her go. All right. Well, Kyle. There you go. Kyle is taking Arizona. I am taking Utah. Huh? Yeah. All right, Beach. All the rest of the games are on Saturday, September 23rd. And now that we're pretty much out of the non-conference games, we'll have a lot less to talk about each week. So, first up, Oregon at Arizona State. I would love to say the Sun Devils are going to just wipe Oregon's behinds. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's going to happen. Well, no, I don't think it's going to happen on this game. I I think Oregon's going to win by by a small margin, but they're going to win. I think Arizona State sucks. I'm taking Oregon. And Kyle says, Ducks. Damn it. I don't think he's happy about that either. All right, up next, Beach, number five, UCL, uh, USC at Cal. God dang, that's a – you know, I think USC is going to win, but, you know, you just never know. A good Cal team could show up, especially being at Cal, um, especially with what USC did last week. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, struggling to win. So, what are you going to take? 
You know what? I'm I'm going to go off the deep end. I'm going to take Cal on this one. Okay, you are taking Cal. I am taking USC. Kyle says, Cal will go into halftime with the lead, but USC wins. I will try to remember that prediction. Okay. I'm writing that down here. Cal at half. See if that comes in. Comes true for Kyle. All right. Up next, Nevada at number 18, Washington State. Well, if they continue to get referees that uh, came from the uh, Stricker School of Refereeing, <laughs> uh, Wazoo will continue to win at home. Um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll take Wazoo. None on. Okay. On, uh, unwillingly. Kyle says Wolfpack loses. Cougs win. I too am taking Wazoo. Mm-hmm. Okay, up next, number seven Washington at Colorado. Hmm. Well, I think Colorado will be getting a hankering for the munchies when Washington's winning that game. Okay, you're taking Washington. Kyle says. For many a year, the mantra was Washington just wasn't good on the road. Colorado. Hmm. Kyle's thinking Colorado. I just don't know how good Colorado is. I'm taking you, Dub. All right. I wouldn't put it back to Colorado, though. All right, up next, the final game of the week, UCLA at Stanford. That's probably a damn good game right there. Um, I think those are two pretty evenly matched teams. I'm going to go with Stanford since it's at Stanford. I, too, am taking Stanford, and Kyle is taking Stanford. Now, just so you know, Beach, right now, I my, my prediction is at the end of the year, Graham will get fired at Arizona State, Mora will get fired at UCLA, and possibly Rich Rodriguez will get fired at Arizona. That's my hmm. my 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 prediction. Interesting. So it's time for you to regale us with a Rosie Ruiz Cheaters and Horrors. She's just a girl. She's a ball. She's a ball. Yes. Kinda like uh my my Cheaters and Horrors today is kinda like how you change my answers for what's what uh what uh, teams I pick. Yep. Have you ever heard of the Atlanta Public Schools cheating scandal? Oh, why, yes, I have. You've heard of this? Oh, yes. Huh. People went to prison over this. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So those, those classic Scantron tests uh, back when we were kids where you had to fill out the circle with an old number two pencil. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about you, but I never cheated on those. And I bet you you the, never cheated on those. It was the students cheating. And and the students in Atlanta never cheated on those. Uh. But the Atlanta public schools cheating scandal refers to the accusation and ultimately conviction of the teachers and principals in the Atlanta public schools district who cheated on state administered standardized tests and uh, and the subsequent fallout thereof. The scandal began in 2009 when the Atlanta Journal Constitution published analyses of criterion referenced competency tests or crct we we would probably refer to them as states as this uh, standardized state testing uh so the constitution published the results which showed statistically unlikely test scores 
including extraordinary gains or losses in a single year. An investigation by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation released in July of 2011 found that 44 out of 56 schools cheated on the 2009 CRCT. 178 teachers and principals were found to have corrected answers entered by students. The size of the scandal has been described as one of the largest in the United States history. And uh, I don't want to go into further detail, but mm -hmm. like you referenced, quite a few, I think, well, I shouldn't say quite a few. I think 10 to 16 individuals uh, were uh, imprisoned or had to serve community service. Uh, it was nasty. And I bet you most of the people convicted were the, the principals because the teachers, I guess, could say, well, I was doing what my principal told me for failure. He would terminate me. Uh -huh. He or she would terminate me if I if I didn't do this. Uh -huh. Um but anyway, just absolutely crazy. And, and you know, I, the, the, the response from the teachers was, well, you know, uh, if we didn't do this, we would have been reprimanded by our, our, um, our superiors. You know, if, if our, if our students didn't improve their test scores. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading this article, I'm like, well, so how is that different from anybody else who does a job? If you do it well, you get rewarded. And if you do it poorly, you get, I don't want to say punished, but you, you get reviewed. There are, there are repercussions. There's repercussions for doing your job poorly. Mm -hmm. And the difference between a public school system and any privatized business is the fact is the consumer can elect to go to your business or some other business if they don't like the quality of product you're selling. Yep. But in the school district... You're forced to go you're in the district where you're stuck. You get no choice, and so these these people are complaining that that they're uh, they're you know that they have you know well it's not our fault you know if if the students don't do better then we get reprimanded. Well, if somebody does poorly in their job anywhere, they usually get reprimanded and up up to a potential of termination if they're not doing their job well at all. Correct. And if they got caught cheating, they'd get terminated. <laughs> You know, yep. or, or, or screwing the consumer or lying. And, and ultimately, what are they doing here? They're screwing the consumer. Uh -huh. They're telling, they're giving the consumer false false reports. Look, your kids are so damn smart. Mm -hmm. they, 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 they can't point out Wyoming on a map. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but by God, look, they're kicking ass in our standardized testing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there so there you go. Cheaters and Whores, the Atlanta Public Schools Cheating Scandal of uh, 2009. There you go. All right. And well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 95 of a little bit of participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask questions, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com, at HeinrichTailgater on Twitter, and HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. And we do try to answer anything that comes through. Remember, you can listen and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave a rating and review somebody, anybody. Listen to us on your iPhone or Android device the Stitch Radio app. We meet next week, show number 96. We do have a quiet week this week, so we just get to watch football this week. Awesome. Yeah. All right, and until next week, we're going to end it with a great big Go Bees. Yo,
try to learn people something here. Yeah. Let me know when you're ready to haul ass on this. Okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> Make a sip, of, a sip of water. I'm doing like I did before, Billy. I'm I'm going in unprepared because I don't want to overprepare. You're barebacking that son of a bitch. I'm barebacking that some bitch. <laughs> I'm just sticking it in and letting it ride. I can guarantee you that part won't make the uh, edited clips I put at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> totally should. It won't make it. No. That's, that's sad. That's, that's a little too off color. <clears throat> it's, is there such thing as too off color? I mean, we're all about freedom of speech here on this show, aren't we? I know, but I'm the one that edits it, and I can guarantee you won't be on there. Be funny as shit, man. <laughs> uh, 